everybody. Welcome to Christian Life Online. I am so excited you guys are here today. We are on our third week of our Recipe for Disaster series. If you're not caught up, make sure you go back, check out the other messages that we've posted because they are incredible. We've been looking at the life of Saul and learning from him on how we can live a life that is good, not in disobedience, okay? So make sure you check it out, it's been great. I wanna go ahead and pray before we jump into that message. God, I thank you that you are gonna be here today and that you are gonna speak to our lives in a way that will help us to grow in our relationship with you. God, I just pray that you'd move in such an incredible way today. In your name we pray, amen. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. We know all of you listening to our podcast, watching online, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, we are grateful that you're taking time out of your day to spend with us. We believe that this is a conversation that will enrich your life and you will be better for hearing it. Now, the world that we've been living in, this is like one of the most talked about topics ever, but I've got to share my experience with COVID with you. I got it. I got the virus a little while back. And, uh, you know, I, I was very, very lucky. I got a very mild case of it. But towards the end of my quarantine time, my wife made a delicious meal. And I'm quarantined, so I'm off by myself. I'm sitting on the couch with the TV tray like a kid on timeout, and my family is eating at the table, and they are raving about how amazing this food is. And uh, my wife looks back at me, and she says, Well, babe, the kids, the boys have told me how great my food is. I know it's good. What do you think about my food? And this is like the same thing as being asked, does, do these jeans make my butt look fat? You know, like, I am like deer in the headlights because here's the deal. I didn't know my taste buds were gone. I didn't know that I couldn't taste anything. I hadn't figured it out yet. I'm sitting there trying to like, this is where it's difficult trying to, to be a person of God, trying to be an honest person because I'm like, well, babe, to be honest with you, it, it tastes a little bland. And I promise to God, if my wife was Superwoman and she shot lasers out of his eyeball, I would be dead. I would not be here. It was bad. It was the ultimate definition of a recipe for disaster. That is our series. That's what we've been talking about. Last week, we left off on 1 Samuel chapter 13, and where we left Saul and his troops, they were actually preparing for battle. And if you remember, if you listened at all, and if you haven't, again, like my wife said, go back, check that out. But, but as they're preparing for battle, they have an issue. The enemy's army is huge. Samuel, who is supposed to be coming and doing the customary sacrifice to ask God's blessing on their battle, right? They're severely outnumbered. They're losing men by the second. Samuel's nowhere to be found. He's missing in action. And Saul decides to take it upon himself and to do the sacrifice on his own. Now, for us, we may not necessarily recognize this, but by Saul doing this, he was actually stepping out of his lane, what God had made him to do, and he was actually being disobedient, not just to Samuel, because Samuel had told him, wait this amount of time and I'll be there. But he was also being disobedient to God because it was the priest, it was Samuel's job to do this sacrifice. Actually, I mean, you go back 
in history, and, and there were some very, very severe consequences for an average person doing what Saul did, and that's exactly what Saul experiences. He goes through and, and he makes this sacrifice, and by doing this, he forfeits God's plan. He forfeits God's anointing on his life. I mean, that, that is a harsh consequence for this act of disobedience. But this was a turning point in Saul's life. I don't want to make light of this. This was a complete 180 shift from what we know in Saul's life up till now. We've talked about this. It's safe to say that from this point forward, everything that happened in Saul's reign that was good can be attributed to someone else or to God just being God and blessing his people. Here's what I'm going to say, and I want you to think about this. From this point forward in Saul's life, the people around him were blessed in spite of him, not because of him. Speaking for myself, I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be a hindrance. I don't want to be someone that, that blocks other people from being blessed. I want people to be blessed because of my obedience, because of my faithfulness, because of me just being who God made me to be, and I believe that's what you want as well. I don't want people to be blessed in spite of me. Oh, I mean, all of us were familiar with people like, hey, we love them, but their spouse, not so much. I would love to invite them over to a barbecue, but man, I just cannot stand that woman. You know, like, this is what's happening in Saul's life. Israel continues to be blessed. God continues to give them victories in battle. But it's more either because of the faithfulness of, actually, in that battle they were preparing, it's the faithfulness of, the obedience of Saul's son, Jonathan, and the brave, you know, the courageous faith of Jonathan and his, and his uh, armor bearer. That's who is attributed for the victory in that battle. But all throughout, it's other people stepping up, being faithful, and God choosing to bless his people, Israel, because of that, not because of Saul. This was a huge turning point in Saul's life. Here's a, a scary and very humbling thought. Disobedience doesn't always bring immediate consequences. Disobedience doesn't always bring immediate, instant failure. See, a lot of times we think, you know, well, if something bad happens right then, then I was definitely in the wrong. But if I get away with something, oh, no one will ever know. Disobedience doesn't always bring instant consequences, but it also doesn't mean that there's no consequences at all. The consequences that Saul was storing up for himself through this disobedience, it does come, but it's delayed. It's delayed. I want to, to share another story with you, and this will teach us 
of another ingredient for this recipe for disaster that we see played out in Saul's life. And, and to do this, I'd love to encourage you to grab your Bible if you, have, if you have one or your cell phone, however you read the Bible. And I'd encourage you to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to read just a couple verses here and we're going to kind of hop around. So I'm going to keep you on your toes. Get ready for this. But we're going to start in verse 2. This is a conversation that Samuel and Saul have. Samuel comes to Saul and says this in verse 2 of 1 Samuel 15. says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. Go and kill everything. Destroy everything. Wipe them off the map. They were evil. They treated God's people poorly. And now the bill has come due. And God is going to take care of it. Again, I point this out quickly. This victory in battle, what will be, is not because of Saul. This is because right there, God has said, it's time to deal with these people. Let's skip down to what Saul does with this, right? He gets this direction from God, and here's how he, how he plays this out. In verse 7 of the same chapter, it says, Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and cattle. Listen in. Kept the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs. And I've got this underlined in my Bible. You do what you want in yours. But in my Bible, I've got underlined everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Hey, if you got it from Nordstrom, you're keeping that. But Walmart stuff, no, that's going down, right? They did not listen. Once again, we see disobedience popping up in Saul's life, but this time it's just a little bit different. We find out kind of some motivation behind why he was willing to disobey God. Here's what happens in the following verses. Samuel, Samuel hears from God, realizes what Saul and the people have done. He comes and he confronts Saul. He calls him on the carpet. He says, what are you doing? And we can read this in, in verse 11. I'm sorry. This is God speaking to Samuel. I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me, and he has again refused to obey me. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. The next verse, verse 12. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Interesting. To set up a monument to himself, then he went on to Gilgal. Verse 13, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you. This is the man that was just disobedient to God again. He's already been told that his kingdom is being stripped from him. And again, he does the same thing that got him in trouble the first time. And look at how he responds. This is so real. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Let's be real right now. He did not carry out the Lord's command. 
But isn't it true in our lives, when we're walking in disobedience, we meet, when we make the wrong decision, we justify, right? We, we go through and we, we explain it away and excuse it away in our minds, and we do this over and over and over again until we convince ourselves what? That what we did is the right thing. He deceived himself. Aren't we guilty of doing this? When we walk in disobedience, we tell ourselves over and over again a lie until we've deceived ourselves, and then we don't even know where the line is anymore. We lose track of what's up and what's down. Saul is clearly here. Samuel, again, he rebukes Saul. And this is what happens. He, he goes in, in verse 22, listen, if you don't hear a word that I say, hear this. This is what Samuel tells. This is part of his rebuke to Saul that we need to grab onto. It's in verse 22. It says this, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? I'll say it again. I'll just read that question over again because it's important. What is more pleasing to God, to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? Obedience is far better than sacrifice. Listening to Him is much better than offering the fat of rams. Guys, this is a major thing that we need to grab onto. What's more pleasing, the things that we do or being obedient? Well, it's easy looking at, you know, and, and answering, well, of course, it makes sense that obedience would be more important. That I'm totally with you. But what did Saul's and his men, what did they do? If you, if you read, he was trying to justify Allowing the, kid, the, the cattle, the sheep, all, he was trying to justify allowing those things to live because, hey, we're going to build a monument and we're going to offer them all to God as a sacrifice. They're all going to die. But this way, we're offering them to God. You know, it's, uh, that's almost like if a policeman caught you doing something wrong and you try and bribe them to let you, you know, to let you off. This is what Saul and his men are trying to do. Oh, well, we may keep these, but we're going we're gonna to offer all those up to God. We're going to sacrifice them. It's okay. Our sacrifice will overshadow our disobedience, which is wrong. Disobedience can't be overshadowed by something we do. Obedience is more important. But this is where, this is where we really begin to, to get a picture of what this second ingredient in this recipe for disaster, this weird back and forth tug of war happening in Saul's mind and his heart, this is where we begin to understand maybe some of the motivation of why he was willing, why he was able to disobey God as frequently as, as he is, as big as he is, these are not minor things. These are big areas that he's been disobedient in. We find this, same chapter, chapter 15, verse 24. says, Then Saul finally admitted, Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions, 
and the Lord's commands. Here it is. You ready? For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. See, the New King James Version says it a little differently. It says, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Are we obeying God's voice or are we obeying their voice? Because very seldom does their voice and God's voice align. The second ingredient of our recipe for disaster is insecurity. It's insecurity. What do I think is behind? What was the root behind some of Saul's disobedience? Now, some of it may have just been he was a knucklehead, right? Some of it may have just been he, he thought his plan was great. I don't know. But I do think there's at least a small root of his disobedience that lies in insecurity. Now, we all face insecurity. Even those people that we look at and we're like, they're so successful, they've accomplished so much, there's no way in the world that they feel bad about themselves like I do. We all deal with insecurity. So the real question begins, how can something that each of us battle with be so dangerous? How can something that every person that's ever walked the face of the earth battle with, how can that be so dangerous? Here's a statement that I want you to think about. Unchecked insecurity can tempt us to please, to please others at the risk of displeasing God. Unchecked insecurity can tempt us to please others at the expense of displeasing God. Now, it makes sense. I mean, Saul, they made the sacrifice. You know, he, he makes the sacrifice in that initial battle. Because other people were afraid, right? He did it to try and make himself feel like more of a leader, right? So people would want to follow him into battle. He's taking charge. He's taking initiative. These are things that we like, but this was out of place. This was an act of disobedience. It makes sense because, again, Saul, he disobeyed out of fear of telling people no. I mean, put yourself in Saul's shoes. You just lead this huge victory. You take care of the, the Amalekites. You wipe them out. And then your, your lieutenants, your captains, begin to come to you. And they're like, hey, these are some really nice sheep. Or, you know, like Shrek. That's a nice donkey, right? <laughs> these are really nice. What if we, maybe we could keep these. And Saul had a question. You know, he, he's asked with this question. And he's like, okay. What decision am I going to make? Am I going to be obedient to God? And are we going to kill everything, wipe them off the face of the earth, and be obedient to Him? Or, or am I going to allow these guys to do what they want? Because, man, my life may be much easier. My life may be much easier if I let them do that. If I say no, what's going to happen? Are they going to revolt against me? Are they going to kill me? What's going to happen? Call it people-pleasing, call it whatever you want, but insecurity is a recipe for disaster for a couple reasons. And both of these are common sense. You are going to know them and know they're true as soon as I say it. But the first is, it is impossible to please everyone. It's impossible to please everyone. Let's be real. If you've got a family or even if you, know, you remember back to the days of you having a kid, you can't even decide what you're having for dinner without getting someone upset. It's impossible 
to please everyone, but yet we try to please other people. We try to make decisions that other people will be okay with because it's easier to maybe get in trouble over here with God because I can always just say I'm sorry. It's easier to do that and have them happy than to stand up for what I know to be right. What are they going to say about me? Proverbs 29.25 says this. It says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. We already know that to be true. It's impossible to please everyone. If we live our lives seeking to please other people, we'll end up just like Saul. We'll end up walking in disobedience. We'll end up making decisions we never should have made, forfeiting the plan that God created specifically for us to please someone else who tomorrow is just going to be upset with us anyways. Sorry, if I'm trying to get in your business, I'm just being honest with you. We know it's true. Some people you just can't make happy. Jesus himself couldn't make them happy. How are you going to? The second reason that insecurity is a recipe, is an ingredient in a recipe for disaster, is that God never intended us to please anyone but Him. God never intended us to please anyone but Him. Now, obviously, we're directed to do everything in our power to live at peace with people, but sometimes that's just impossible. Especially if living at peace with someone else means denying God or being disobedient to God. Just being a Christian is enough to upset some people. Just being a Christian, just standing for what we believe in, just believing that that all lives are sacred, right? We can get into any hot topic we want to, but just believing in the Bible is enough to displease others. Are we trying to please God or are we trying to please others? There's a a verse that I want to read to you. It's Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, and it says this. It says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Some of you, you needed to hear this. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Here's the deal. Us being who God made us to be, is going to make some people unhappy. Who are we more concerned about? God, you know, the creator of the universe, or someone that even if we chose to go along with their plan today, we'll find something else to be angry about with us tomorrow. I want to pray for each one of us today, because this is a very real temptation. This is a very real problem. We need to be obedient. That's important. We need to be faithful. We need to to adjust, right? The Bible calls us to not conform to the patterns of this world, but be renewed by by the change, the transforming of our minds. We need our minds, we need our hearts to be transformed to where we please God. And we stop worrying about pleasing others. We need to love others. We need to to show them the love of Christ. But we're not worried about pleasing them. We're worried about pleasing God. I'd love to pray for you today. God, I pray for my friends. 
God, I pray that you would help each one of us, Lord, to be faithful. God, that we would have to resolve, Lord. God, that you would speak to our hearts, you'd speak to our minds, and you would help us to stand up, God, and please you. God, stand up in obedience to what you've called us to do. God, not be people that cower back and we, we hide in insecurity. We hide, Lord, in trying to please other people. God, we, we fall into a trap. God, of running up a hill that's impossible to climb. It's impossible to please others. It is possible to please you. God, help us to be men and women, young people. God, that we choose to please you with our lives. God, we choose to live our lives in a way that you would be proud of us. God, happy with us. God, help us not to be people. God, that end up like Saul, giving in and seeing our lives spiral out of control. That help us to not live our lives in a way, God, that leads to a recipe for disaster. God, we praise you, Lord. God, give us the, the strength, the courage, and the boldness, Lord, to live this out. Amen. Man, that was such a great message. I love how God uses us to deliver what he has already in his word, right? He is so incredible in the way he works. Right now, if you're sitting here and you're wanting to participate in what Christian life is doing, this is your chance. We're gonna go ahead and give you the opportunity to give today. If you're wanting to give, go ahead and text the amount that you're gonna give to the number 84321 or you can visit our webpage at clcgridley.org and go ahead and hit that give tab. Let's go ahead and pray together as we give our offering to God. Lord, I thank you that you have been here throughout this day and that you're going to take what we have and you're going to bless it. God, you see every person that is giving today and you see where they're giving from and that's from their heart. And I just pray that you would bless the giver and you would bless the gift. We trust in you, God, to do incredible things with what we are offering today. In your name we pray. Amen. Make sure you check out the links below. We have our kids ministry and we also have some worship on Spotify. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.